Hello. Hi. How are you? It's hot up here. Nice. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm awesome. I've had a great day. I just finished cooking via FaceTime with my sister, so. <laughs> yeah, that looks fun. Good time. Yeah. Um, well, before we get started, I'm going to do a little introduction. Um, hey, everybody. Welcome to the guidebook. I'm Rachel. I um, also created trail name here. Um, I am a writer, backpacker, podcaster person, um, and I'm here with Amanda from um, <laughs> Timeline to Alpine, <laughs> and we are um, going to just have a casual chat today. Um, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, my name is Amanda, and I'm sorry for anyone who's here for Frank. He can't get on the roof, so oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> He's inside. <laughs> But yeah, I'm Amanda, and I'm a van dweller, writer, forager, hiker, dog mom, human, <laughs> human. Yeah, free human. <laughs> Amazing. I love it. Yeah. So let's dive right in. You've been living in the van for a while. How did you decide to start living that lifestyle? So I decided to move into a van because I was tired of paying for someone else's second mortgage and always having to move so they could sell it and charge the next, you know, and then rent would go up at the next place. So I felt really trapped by the housing market and my life felt very unstable. Like at any moment, if I, you know, got sick for a few days or lost my job, I'd also be homeless. So this was just a way to kind of take control of that and not participate in a system that used housing for profit instead of like a basic human right. Nice. I love yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Yeah, I'm from uh, BC. I grew up on Vancouver Island. So Cool. How did you, yeah. did you start van life while you were living up there still? Yeah, I was living in the climbing Mecca Squamish, which is just north of Vancouver. So I was living there and word got out. It was really cool and it started to become very unaffordable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. How yeah. did you deal with, were you dealing with like winter when you first moved into the van? Yeah, I moved into the van January 6th and I intentionally didn't wait till summer because I figured if I can get through the first winter, everything is easy. And yeah. I know a lot of people move in in summer and it's like very much the, the romance of it, the hanging out in parking lots and all the best things of van life and then winter hits and and it's hard so i just wanted to get that over with first and and uh yeah i think that was a smart way to go about it you're such a badass that's crazy <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny you moved into your van on my birthday oh cool yeah, yeah so i'll never forget your birthday because it's my van anniversary so <laughs> i'm gonna like text you happy van anniversary <laughs> <laughs> So later on, you started, you did a through hike, right? The PCT. Yeah. And you brought your dog with you. How was I did. It like? Man, it's hard. I mean, there's no light backpack, at least in my world with a dog. Um, he's 75 pounds and I wanted to keep his weight really solid. So he's a, he's a pretty solid boy and he can't carry all of his food weight. So... I had to carry a lot of extra food weight and all his water. And yeah, yeah sometimes he'd drink a liter an hour. And that's all. I mean, that's, that's wow. heavy. That is yeah. How yeah. did you deal with, like, did you, were you afraid of any, like, natural threats? Like, there are different 
poisonous animals in the desert and things like that? Were you worried about that? Um, so like things like bears and cougars, I definitely wasn't worried about because where I grew up, there's way more than anywhere along the PCT. Yeah. I was pretty concerned about rattlesnakes in the desert, but that's part of why I went southbound is that by the time we got there, it was way less of a threat. That's a great Just, idea. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And I mean, like you had on your story the other day, he encountered a snake and he was fine. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I trained him back home. We would see garter snakes, and anytime he ever even looked at one, I would like scream at him and tell him like it's bad and, and yell about how horrible the snake is and like scare him off, which isn't like the nicest thing. But when the rattlesnake came into camp the other day, he was scared of it. And so, you know, him getting yelled at a few times is, I feel like, in the end, worth oh, him yeah. not getting bit by that rattlesnake. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, and you live, I mean, has he lived in a van with you your whole van life career? What's that been like? Yeah, I got him six months before we moved into a van. So like his, he's a van life dog. It's what he knows. So yeah, he like he likes a couch, but he definitely misses van life if we spend too long at families. <laughs> That's so cool. Wow. So like during all of this, you were in the U.S. You're still a Canadian citizen, right? I yes. Mean, yeah. Yes. I mean, yeah, no, I have no desire to change that. No offense, but yeah. I envy you. <laughs> I like have to go get my IUD out right now, like during all of this, because it's like actually hurting me. And I'm like, oh, don't have insurance. We'll just go to Planned Parenthood, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, God, oh. um, anyway, <laughs> um, so you were here when shelter in place happened how did you handle that a lot of i know a lot of van lifers are like struggling with not being able to be on like public lands and in national parks and things like that um yeah so before i found this place to settle down california had started closing state parks like they were kind of on that real early and so i just kind of thought in my mind okay if this gets worse as it has been every single day like it was really escalating quickly at first i knew i had to be somewhere that couldn't be shut down so I'm kind of like in no man's land right here and no one's come by. Like, I mean, a few people have come in from the city, but yeah, it's, it's pretty quiet. I've been parked right here in this spot since I got my van unstuck for a week and nobody's driven by my van. Nice. So, yeah. That's like tranquil and weird all at once. How, how do you deal with being alone so much in the van? Like I... So I'm planning on doing like long-term trips in my van soon and I get nervous about being lonely. Like sometimes when I go camping alone, if I go on like a section hike alone, I'll, the first night I always end up like crying and feeling super lonely, even though all I wanted was like to be alone. And then I get out there and I just like can't handle it the first night. Um, but you know, I did get used to it. So was it like that? For Oh, I have my sorry. half limits on. Off on me. <laughs> that was my bad. Okay. Um, okay. Anyway. Um, yeah. I mean, at first, I at first I had come out of a situation where I had like some pretty horrible roommates, so I didn't really miss being around people at first. Uh, it was like quite a nice relief. But I was also stationary in a town where I had lots of friends when I first moved in a van, so I wasn't like really alone. Alone, I could I could go see friends whenever. Um, but yeah, it's definitely been like a roller coaster. It gets easier with time. And, you know, I have some 
you know, reading hobbies and drawing hobbies. And sometimes I just get drunk and have a solo dance party and, you know, kind of forget about it. <laughs> That's amazing. How, um, how, I guess, do you have any, like, tips for people who are considering doing band life as a woman solo? Um, I feel like that can be, like, really nerve-wracking for people. A lot of people ask me questions about that, and I'm like, I don't know how to answer that yet. I don't live mm. in yet. <laughs> Um, I think like one, if you're concerned, definitely lock your doors at night. Um, I don't really ever stay in cities. I really avoid like urban boondocking and I feel pretty safe out in the middle of nowhere. Um, and like, I mean, where I am now, I can see two miles away. So there's a vehicle coming this way. Like I'm prepared, Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah. And part of what I did to stay safe is I made sure I was not predictable. So I was never posting live updates where I was. I wasn't geotagging anything, which I mean, geotagging didn't even exist when I started living in a van. But um, and I just because uh, I was based around the same town, I would never go to the same spot like night after night after night. I would always move and, and just be unpredictable so that if anyone was thinking to prey on me, I'm going to be a lot harder to find. Um, but like, I live in a big, creepy white kind of shitty looking van. So I've had people roll up at night to come party and they get weirded out and leave. So (laughs) yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) That's great. That's great advice. Um, how, I was just going to ask you something. Do you work from your van? How do you handle like income and, um, your like monthly bills and things like that? Um, so when I started, I was based in a town, so I was, like, working in that town, and then I got into commercial foraging, so I did that. I've done that several seasons or worked on, uh, like, fruit farms and stuff, and I had also been a very irresponsible human and not filed taxes for many years, (laughs) and when that, when those taxes finally got filed, I had a pretty big chunk come my way. Um, that was really helpful for a long time. And now I'm starting to transition into more freelance style work. Um, some of it's on hold right now because of coronavirus and, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. I yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, but like, the big thing is, is the lower your expenses are, the less you really have to worry about making income. Yeah, totally. You know, um, my van I've been in this van for three and a half years, and if I add up the cost of buying the van, building it, all the repairs, which most of I've done myself to save money, two sets of tires, gas for all the distance I've driven in the three and a half years, and insurance, it averages out to less than 400 Canadian a month. That's amazing. Which is like 250 US a month. Like. Yeah, you don't need to finance an $80,000 sprinter. You're going to be in debt and have to work. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you find your van on Craigslist or, like, online? or? Yeah, my dad found it on Craigslist. And this van had been one owner its whole life. It's a GMC. They traded it in at the Ford dealership. Ford obviously doesn't want an old GMC. So they sold it cheap to some people that were going to take it to the auction. And so in the week before it went to auction, they put it up on Craigslist at like a really, really, really good price. And it had pretty low mileage. So my dad saw it and was like, I was living in a minivan at the time. And he's like, Amanda, you have to buy this van. So I bought the van. (laughs) 
awesome yeah wow. that's that's so great i've heard so many stories of how people have gotten their dams like i know some people who got a loan for a um for transit i know some people who found their van on craigslist i know someone who saw one in a parking lot at the mechanic that they went to and were like hey can i buy that van that's like, a great customers <laughs> that's that's a great way if you're willing to do some work on it because a vehicle that sat for a while might have some issues especially like all the seals and gaskets but that's a great way to get a, a decent van at a good price is find someone that's, that's just sitting there being neglected you know yeah totally yeah. i also i heard the person who was on my podcast last week also got theirs like the week before it was going to go to auction from somebody they like knew someone who was taking it to the auction and were like, hey, can you buy this for me and I'll buy it off of you. <laughs> nice. Like worked out that way. And that, honestly, I think that, that those are the cheapest finds that I've heard so far. So that's really great information. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you, if you're trying to buy something that somebody's already been living in and they've built out, like they're, they're putting that added value into the, the price ticket and mm -hmm. it's worth that to them. But if you're, if you want to, um, if you can find a van that somebody just doesn't want to deal with anymore, you're going to get the best, the best deal for sure. Yeah. I also feel like vans that have been built out by somebody else, like it's such a personal thing. Frank's in the van. Sorry, guys. He can't get on the yeah, roof. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm on the roof. There's no signal in the van. So, and he's, and he's sick today. So he's just, you know, oh. yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I feel like if you get a van that someone else has built out, it's like their preferences. Like it's such a personal thing, like what you actually need in a van. And if you're going to build it out yourself, I feel like you can get so many more like little things that actually matter to you. Like, do you have anything in your van that you're like, I've never seen this in another van before? Like that's so personal to you. Um, so for all the doors in my van, uh, because I do a lot of off-roading, I didn't want to deal with like hinges and latches and like all that stuff kind of costs money. So I actually did um, uh, quarter inch plywood and then I just like sanded the bottom and top a little thinner and with a table saw I did grooves. So I have just like sliding panel doors and I just, I just, it's just a little pinch strength training and I just, you know, pinch it and slide it. So they, you know, that was the cheapest way and they don't come open when I drive and I've never seen that in another van. Dude, that is genius. <laughs> in strength training, I love that. I have a hand coffee grinder, and I'm always like, it's grip strength, guys. It's grip strength. Yeah. <laughs> totally. So dude, I love it. Oh, someone else just bought a wheelchair van for $900. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. And I've had friends um, do that, and then they sell the equipment that they don't need, like the accessible equipment. So you can sometimes make some of your money back um, going that route. Wow, that's such a great idea. Mm -hmm. So where have you traveled in your van? I feel like you've gotten a lot of like backcountry experience in your van. How do you like, where do you like to go, I guess? Or like, where have you been? <laughs> um, so I was based in Squamish for quite a while. And then when I started traveling, I'd go to the Sunshine Coast in Vancouver Island. And then when I started mushroom picking, I went north. So I went up to the Yukon for a summer and then I went down to Arizona and then back to the Yukon and I spent a lot of time in southern BC especially southwest BC but I pretty much just stick to the west coast from the Yukon down to like California Arizona Utah um, I went to uh, Colorado this year and that was the that's the furthest east I've ever been and I honestly I don't know if I'll ever go further <laughs> I mean it's just it's so nice out west and it's so easy to not pay for camping and just be alone
yeah there is so much more open land out mm -hmm. west like if you just look at the maps of blm land out there it's huge and over on the east coast it's like city 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 yeah city. like it's so developed over here it's really hard yeah i know I, I, free camping but like even i sometimes struggle to find it and i've lived here my whole life <laughs> right yeah i think nevada where i am now is like 83 percent blm land wow and it's not like it's not necessarily the most stimulating or like exciting place. It's definitely not like got all the Instagram spots, but like if you just want to like be alone somewhere and like not be hassled, which is what I wanted in this time right now especially, uh it's yeah, it's the way to go. Yeah, dude, totally. That's yeah. like my dream right now. <laughs> <laughs> How did you um stock up for this you've been out of town for like over a month how do you stock up for that kind of scenario is it like through hiking food kind of how do you do that so so part of why i'm so stocked up is that i am a bit of a prepper <laughs> and I, I have been for a long time so i already had months of of human food in my van and then when I came down to the u.s i was planning to hike the arizona trail and that didn't happen because i got pneumonia for weeks so i had all i had all my trail food for that as well oh, so wow. then when then when there was like the coronavirus hit and the panic buying i bought even more food and more dog food so i haven't been to a grocery store in almost eight weeks that's <laughs> insane dude wow yeah. <laughs> so. oh man and oh. like my cupboards are full like my cupboards are still full it's insane i don't know what's wrong with me <laughs> never have to go to a store again honestly you're yeah. like, I, like i waited in line to go to the grocery store today actually today was the first time i had to wait in line which on one hand i'm like this has been convenient but on the other hand i'm like this is kind of concerning that i haven't had to wait in line at all like i don't know u.s yeah. not that strict it's a little bit weird to me yeah i mean <laughs> I feel about it i'm definitely like i'm apprehensive about going into a grocery store because I am about to like start back towards Canada because my visa is about to expire but at the same time like I cannot wait to have a salad like it has been <laughs> it has been six weeks since I've had like produce other than potato onion and carrot oh and, my god and sprouts like oh uh, yeah that's insane I think like I don't know on trail I started having withdrawals I was like I need broccoli like i just needed it it was like the mm -hmm. most intense craving for broccoli i've ever had i like bought the cheapest frying pan i could find at walmart <laughs> cooked broccoli on my little pocket rocket camp stove <laughs> and it was great it was a great idea it was awesome i totally lost my fear of like carrying fresh food in my backpack but also like that wouldn't be possible if we weren't going to the store every like four or five days so right yeah yeah, yeah. But, that makes a lot of sense. So how long do you get to, like, how do you do the whole visa thing? Like, how much time do you get? Uh, as Canadians, we don't have to apply for a visa. We can just come down. Um, so we get six months per calendar year. If we're here, I think more than six months per three-year um, three time period, they can ask us to file taxes or, like, submit a form claiming our connection to Canada uh so yeah i have i'm pretty i'm three weeks away from the end of my six month period here so i do not want to risk the three plus year ban that i would get if i'm one day late 
Yeah, that would suck. Yeah. Um, wow. So you do like a ton of seasonal work. How did you get started in that? How do you, did you do like woofing at all? How did you figure that out? No, I didn't do woofing. I had a friend I met climbing and she grew up picking mushrooms with her family. And um, I had like always had an interest in foraging and an inclination towards it. And she was going mushroom picking and she had like, that's what she had done every year. And like, to make basically all her money ever to travel and I was like oh wow like that sounds like such a dream job and she's like come with me and I was like okay you know <laughs> I lived in the van so I told my boss I was working at a doggy daycare I said hey I'm gonna take two weeks off and he was super lenient it was like a very like everyone makes their own rules there and as long as you stick to what you said you would do then it's cool so I said hey I'm gonna take two weeks off um and go mushroom picking and I got there and I was pretty good at it so I phoned him and said I don't know when I'll be back or if I'll be back and he's like okay that's cool <laughs> that's <laughs> and I awesome. never went back <laughs> I feel like the best friends I've made are through climbing like I got a like random blogging gig from someone I met climbing like I got into like this comedy show that I never would have gone to if I didn't meet this person climbing. Like so much random stuff happens at the crag and I love that. Mm -hmm. How did you get started climbing? Um, so I started, I worked at an outdoor store after university and like all the other staff there was into climbing. So they like took me climbing and that's kind of how I got started outdoors. I had dabbled in the gym um, in high school, which is a long time ago now. <laughs> And, and, like, I was, like, the kid that climbed everything, but, yeah, it was after college, they took me outdoors, and I was just hooked, and I left the island and moved to Squamish, bought boulder pads and the guidebook, and in the guidebook, there's, like, little happy faces that mean that it has a flat landing or is safe to climb without a spotter, and so I just went hunting for V-Zeros with smiley faces and literally just taught myself to boulder, and... It's amazing. Yeah, I've been climbing most of the time since I took a couple of years off but yeah it's it's awesome I've met so many friends from it and yeah <laughs> so cool I feel like once I get squared away in the van with what I need that's what I want to be doing I need to like save for a crash buy. there's so many things that I need to buy right now but I'm like just barely making enough but I know that once yeah I'm over my head so much it will be like easier but I want to crash bad so that I can just go bouldering by myself. I'm trying every time I've tried to like go outdoor climbing with people, it's like fallen through. Or like half my plans were this month, and then you know, obviously we like can't do that now. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's crazy. I just uh, you, I love, I love how climbers are using their gear so versatile in a van. Like I feel like every climber uses their crash yeah. pad couch and a bed <laughs> yeah couch <laughs> guest bed lounger outside yeah, yeah. totally that's great yeah. oh man <laughs> yeah the crash pads i have now i they've just passed their nine-year mark so they were an amazing investment they weren't the cheapest ones um at the time but it was worth buying a good quality pad that is like custom and like that i enjoy and i mean i've like, I'm down to, like, pennies a use. Like, they're almost yeah. free at this point. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's I feel like it is a worthy investment. That's the one thing that I – everybody that I know that 
has gotten rid of a crash pad is not because it wasn't usable anymore. It's because they didn't need it. They would like yeah. sell it or give it to a friend or whatever. And yeah, I've never seen someone have a crash pad die. It's just not a thing yet. Fine <laughs> <No. laughs> blowing enough, maybe. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So the other day, you posted on your story that you got stuck in a rut. That was insane. I feel like that's like my biggest fear is to like be alone and be completely stuck. But I, I mean, I'm sure there was like the emotional roller coaster behind it. But how do you, how do you approach situations like that when you're alone? Um, so the first thing is like the second you realize you're stuck, don't don't touch the gas anymore. Just stop. Just stop. Just get out and calm down gather yourself if you need to like have a snack have a nap just like get yourself together and don't panic because before I learned this I would keep trying to get myself unstuck like with going forward and backwards and just dig myself deeper like I've dug myself up to the axle before and made rescue pretty hard so yeah as soon as you're stuck just stop and collect yourself and then formulate a plan so I've learned a lot of the times I've been stuck, um, especially in like sand and this trench, if I just jack up my van and fill in underneath, I can probably just drive out. Um, and that's being the same with snow. You can just jack up your van, like make sure it's safe so it's not gonna like roll off the jack and then put traction under your tire and then you can just drive out. Uh, mud is a little harder because it sinks and like, I got stuck in a massive mud pit in Arizona and I had to be towed out of that one um, because there was like a foot of water above the mud I was stuck in. But for the most part, you can just kind of, uh, yeah, jack it up and put whatever you need under to like fill. So this trench I was stuck in, my van was sitting on the axle and the tire was floating. So I had to jack it up and then I just filled the trench for a while and was able to eventually just drive out of it. It was I think like six hours of labor, but yeah, I did it on my own. So <laughs> it, that's great advice. I don't think I, I never hear anybody talk about like, oh, we got stuck and without having help got out. How, right. Do you have drive? No, I don't have four wheel drive. You at are all. adventurous, buddy. <laughs> yeah. So when I was a kid, uh, well, a kid, like 16, um, I was pretty reckless and my parents were not going to teach me to drive on a paved road. So I learned how to drive on dirt roads. So, um, I think that like really helps is that I have a lot of experience on dirt roads and judging terrain. Um, but yeah, you know, I just like the more you get stuck and the more you get yourself out, the less scary it becomes. Um, just like that snake encounter, like it was the scariest before because I'd never encountered one. And now that I have, I'm like, okay, well, I managed it and I'm fine, but I can deal with this, you know, you get that little bit of confidence and you learn from it. And, you know, I haven't been stuck in the same situation multiple times. It's always a different way I'm getting stuck and learning from it. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible, dude. I, yeah. I have gotten my car stuck one time and it was an absolute panic attack. I did not know what to do. I like immediately called my dad. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I feel like uh, with the van and, like, going on backwards, especially on BLM land, it's definitely, like, good knowledge to have. So you, do you carry, like, a full floor jack or do you carry one that folds that you spin up? Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, I have a bottle jack. 
So it's, it's probably the minimum I could get away with, with this van. It would be good if I had a second Jack, I have to put blocks under the Jack. So I made, I made like heavy, like two by six, uh, like two layers of two by six leveling blocks that I like cut at angles. So I use my leveling blocks under the Jack and then I can use this Jack. Um, and then I have a shovel, like that's a huge one. Like everyone should have a shovel anyways for digging cat holes, but having a shovel on hand. Um, having a toe strap, which I need to get <laughs> helps because then if someone can help you, you, at least you have the tools if they don't. Um, mm. and there's like these plate things. i I don't know what they're called, but they're like these big traction plates that look pretty handy that are on my, like when I can afford it list. Mm. Have you <laughs> tried max tracks before? I feel that like might be what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't, but it's on the, like, when I can afford it list. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. All really good advice. Gosh, you're just a wealth of knowledge. <laughs> you know, I'm getting old, so that, that just happens. It just happens as you age. <laughs> Wisdom beyond your years. <laughs> Who would have like, thought? I feel like when you're living in a van or, like, through hiking or anything like that, your learning is accelerated so much because you're just experiencing so much every day that you just wouldn't mm -hmm. experience if you were, like, living in a house. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And having the, free t having the free time to learn from all the situations you get into, like, you're not immediately thrown into some obligation. You have time to reflect and learn from it and grow, so... And, and to keep calm when you're in a hairy situation, like you get stuck. Well, if I don't have to worry about getting to work on time. I can, you know, deal with it. Yeah, that's so true. And you don't have to, I feel like it's a lot easier to obtain emotional mastery when you have more space to like process what's going on and you don't constantly have like the technology distractions or like the people that you're around all the time or whatever, you just have you and space. Like, yeah, I don't know. I got so much emotional mastery on trail because I just had the time to think about it. Um, well, so are you planning on you're going back to Canada now? Are yeah, you, I think I, I'm going to leave like tomorrow and start back towards Canada. That's insane. That's going to be. Wow. So are you I mean, I guess like seasonal work is not happening. Is seasonal work going to happen this year? I don't know. I mean, I've definitely, I've been thinking about trying to do some like orchard work because like hopefully by the time cherries and apples are being picked, like we'd be allowed to go pick them. And that happens fairly close to my parents, but I'm definitely putting my focus into making my dream of being a career writer happen. So that's amazing. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> You should hit me up. I also freelance, right? So I feel like we should. Okay. <laughs> yes. That'd be great. Yeah. yeah. I just um, I just started like coaching new freelance writers, and it's been really fun to like see people start where I am and be like, oh my god, I overcame so much. Or like, I don't think in my mind that like I'm an expert at all. But then I talk to other people, and they're like, oh my god, you know so much more than I do. And it's like, oh yeah, duh. like I've been doing this for multiple years now that would make yeah. a lot of sense that I know more than you. <laughs> yeah. I, it does a lot for the imposter syndrome to like be validated by someone else as much as I don't want to rely on external validation. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, really it definitely helps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Well, this has been really great, Amanda. I'm so glad I got to catch you on your roof. <laughs> and yeah. talk to you. I'm amazed at your cell yeah. service. I had someone like on Wi-Fi the other day that this wouldn't work for. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I have three bars LTE if I'm on the roof. I do have like, I can't, I basically can't see the screen. So if I ignored anything anyone was asking or typing, I'm sorry. I literally, I just see a black screen right now because the sun is like insane. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm so glad I got to catch you. Definitely hit me up. I'll post this to the feed um, probably tomorrow or Saturday, guys. So if you know anyone who wanted to watch it and missed it, um, you can find it on your favorite podcast player under the guidebook so yeah thanks for having me this was this was fun so this was really fun you have so many good tips man i just sweet (laughs) (laughs) and i'm sorry i'm sorry that frank wasn't here guys (laughs) you'll just have to post into your story later (laughs) yeah i'll i'll go down inside and and post a few frank pictures just to make up for it (laughs) (laughs) i love his facial expressions it's amazing he's quite a character (laughs) (laughs) all right amanda well thanks again this was so great and thanks for joining everybody we'll see yeah thanks bye (laughs) bye